Welcome to the Check Your Head Podcast, the podcast where notable musicians and experts share their stories and solutions for mental health and wellness. I'm your host, Mari Fong, a music journalist and life coach for musicians, and today I'm excited to share news of our first benefit concert for mental health with rising rock band Satellite City on September 4th, 2021 at the Troubadour in West Hollywood, California. The show benefits our friends at Sweet Relief Musicians Fund and the Check Your Head podcast, and there's also a special. If you buy two tickets to the show on Troubadour.com, bring your ticket receipt to the merch booth, and receive a free Satellite City t-shirt. How cool is that? We'll also be partying safely, with the Troubadour requiring proof of vaccination. So come ready to show your vaccine card, a photo of your vaccine card, or bring a digital vaccine card. To get your digital vaccine card, simply Google Digital Vaccine Card, click on the California.gov website, and it takes about 10 seconds to sign up and receive your card by text message. It's really that easy. You can also bring proof of a negative COVID test 48 to 72 hours prior to the show. So come party with us and hear some great live music for a good cause. Now to our featured guests. Today we have a singer-songwriter, musician, producer, and philanthropist whose soulful rock band The Revivalists broke out with their single, Wish I Knew You, which garnered 525 million streams globally on YouTube, went number one on the Billboard charts, followed by another hit single entitled All My Friends. Now with five studio albums under his belt, our featured musical guest is David Shaw of The Revivalists, who recently dropped his self-titled debut solo album in May of 2021, and a clip of his song, Shaken, will be played at the end of our episode. David Shaw will share how he recovered from drug and alcohol addiction, his solutions for anxiety, and the one pivotal moment in David's life that scared him sober from ever drinking or doing drugs again more than 10 years ago. One of David's solutions for anxiety is practicing the Wim Hof Method. So our featured expert today is a Wim Hof certified instructor, Fareed Hashimi, of Emotion Training. Fareed shares his experience with Wim Hof, the originator of this method. Having trained in the snowy mountains of Poland and the Czech Republic, Wim Hof actually developed this method after losing his wife to suicide and found benefits both mentally and physically. Fareed will share these benefits today and how the three pillars of the Wim Hof Method can work for you too. But first, let's hear David Shaw of The Revivalists share his story. I wanted to congratulate you on your self-titled debut album. What I really enjoyed was that you expressed so many different sides of you. And I wanted to start by talking about Shaken, which I thought was a really cool song that spoke to some of your fears and insecurities. Absolutely. So can you explain a little bit about what those fears and insecurities were about? Well, I'll just say that it's one of those things where things can happen to you when you're young. You know, maybe you get picked on or you just don't feel like you're good enough. That kind of thing can creep in slowly and then it can become this you know, kind of virus, just a virus of the mind. And that's something that crept in a little bit and it stuck around. As I grew older, it manifests its ways in really strange and interesting ways. And I think that's one of the reasons why I had such an issue with addiction. Substances, I thought that they gave me that confidence that I needed to push through or to alleviate the anxiety that I was feeling because I didn't feel adequate in certain situations. I didn't feel prepared. I didn't feel like I was enough. So the shaking came about during a time when I wasn't feeling so great. You know, we were touring a ton. I was burning the candle at both ends. I wasn't using any substances at this time, but it was just, you know, really hard. I wasn't sleeping very well. We were on the bus quite a bit. And I just realized I was, I was depleted. I needed to just do something for myself to just jar me and shake me back into reality. You know, I know that I've got a lot of courage in my heart. I know that I'm a, a brave person because I step out and walk that wire every night. And a lot of times it feels like it's this big thing that I'm just like, oh man, 
I don't know if I can conquer this. You know what I'm saying? But I was doing it in and out every single night. And I just sat down and I was like, all right, I know that other people feel this way. And it's definitely not just me. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to write a song for myself and others to just be like, you know what? You might not be feeling great. You might be feeling really down. You might be shaking in your boots, but you're still there. You're going to conquer it. You're going to figure it out. You're going to do what's right. You're going to do all the things that you need to do to be in the moment and get there and be satisfied you know, with the way you feel inside and just to know that you're enough the way that you are. Yeah, I think that sometimes we put so much self-pressure on ourselves. Yeah. To- with an expectation that everything is going to go as planned. And the thing is, nothing really goes as planned. And we, we have a hard time allowing ourselves to make mistakes. But other people don't mind when we make mistakes because it shows that we're trying. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Absolutely. I've seen that when I'll flub a lyric on stage and people almost are like, yeah, he is human. <laughs> you know? Right, right, exactly. And you said something about your past and about not feeling enough. And sometimes mental health issues can lead to addiction. And Absolutely. sometimes addiction can lead to mental health issues. What do yes. you think it was for you? Um, I think it was both, honestly. I think it was one kind of led in the other, and then they fed each other. It's like this vicious cycle that's really tough to get out of because you got to get far away enough from it to have a clear mind, but then you've got to confront all those things you've been running away from. So it's really, really tough. You know, I still deal with it every single day. Well, that's it. It's like you have to peel back your own layers, things that you try to cover up, uh, like anxieties or insecurities. You were saying that when you first started with your addiction, When did it start to spiral out of control? I would say right when I moved down to New Orleans. I was probably 24 Mm -hmm. when I moved to New Orleans. And this is like party city, you know, and it's it's an amazing city in a lot of ways. But if you're somebody who's got a a substance um, abuse issue going on, it was like me going from the frying pan into the fire. And it was everything all the time. Bars never close. You've got anything at your fingertips that you want, you know. I'm a musician, so I'm in the bars, doing the thing. And that was really when it just started to spiral. I've met a lot of the right people, but I'd also met some of the wrong people. And it just became too easy to get the things that I was looking for. And there you go. Well, I I think... Being in music also, you know, the whole nightlife atmosphere and scene, it it is everywhere. And people are offering it to you all the time. Absolutely. Um, It's always free. It's always free because that's (laughs) the in, right? To party with a band or something, you know. But you did say that when you were 24, you described that night of partying and it landed you in the hospital. And it scared the living hell out of you. It did. And what is it exactly that happened for that incident? Well, I'll just say that I was in a bar. I had a long night. I think I bought every single person in the bar shots all night. It's crazy. I remember my tab was like $923. And at that time, I had maybe $950 to my name. You know what I'm saying? So I (laughs) blew my whole bank account. Um, but that really wasn't the thing that got to me. Um, the real thing that, that absolutely scared the hell out of me, and it gives me shit, you know, goosebumps to this day, is uh, I was in a bar, and uh, a neighbor of mine, guy, he, uh, he asked me if I needed a ride home. This was 9 a.m., mind you. 9 a.m., we're at a bar, 9 a.m., um, I'm not going to name the bar, but a lot of our fans know this place. But he, he gave me a ride home, and we went to his house for another beer. He has a wife, had two kids, met his two kids, and then I don't remember anything. Mm. And then I remember I'm waking up at my house, mind you, 
basically buck naked. Okay. Mm. We're getting deep here. I've told this story one other time, but we're getting deep here. And the guy was trying to have his way with me. Luckily, our guitarist, he was walking by at the same time and comes in the house, sees the doors open, comes in the house, this guy runs out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy. This is insane. I can't even believe this. Every time I tell him, I just get chills. And he goes, what, what's going on? What, what the hell? What is happening? You know, I'm, and I'm mm-hmm. completely gone. I'm like roofied, you know? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So the paramedics come. They give me some smelling salts. I remember waking up. and It's funny because I remember saying something really funny and just making, making every, that's the only memory I have of like them putting me on, on the little stretcher and carrying me down into the ambulance. So yeah, they said I, my, my vitals were pretty low. It was just not a good situation. I almost got raped, you know, so yeah, not good. And no. that really scared the, that, that, scared, that scared me straight. Well, when I read about that, I thought that you had maybe drank too much, taken drugs on your own volition, and maybe overdosed or something. But you never know what's in your drink as somebody's offering you something. And I've had other people tell me something similar to what you're saying. And that is really a traumatic experience. And from that, what was the next step for you? I mean, it's hard enough to process that. And thank God your guitarist was there. And oh my gosh, thank God. You know, what was it that you learned from that experience? I learned that, I don't think I could trust myself fully at the time. And I realized that I needed to be able to rely on myself because those things can just happen. You know, because I'm just a very trusting individual. You know, I'm I'm a Midwesterner, and like I said, this person was my neighbor. Like, got two kids. Right, you know? right. You would never ever expect anything. Never like expect that. that. You know, but uh, that just really made me go, okay, there are true predators out there, and you can't see that coming. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. I just realized I was like, all right, if I'm gonna make it in this life, I'm I'm gonna need to keep my faculties upon me. So that was really it. Is really being conscious and aware all the time to protect yourself because there was a time where you mentioned you were drinking and there was cocaine you know heroin those kinds of things I mean was there a point where you I never shot up or anything I only had a little bit of that Mm -hmm. but never never yeah just dabbled needles (laughs) (laughs) okay that's good to hear now was there a point where you said I want to go completely sober, or was it a gradual process? Um, it was a gradual process, and then it was like, okay, this is it. You know, it was tough. It's tough. It's still tough to this day because there's things that are probably okay for me, you know. But then there's also, you no, know, that leads to something else, and that leads to that, and that leads to that, and then I'm right back where I started very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to so many musicians about. Um, you know, mental health and addiction, and oftentimes it gets to be an addictive personality where you, you know, it, it's hard to start and then do anything in moderation. Did you find that with yourself? Because there's oftentimes a lot of starts and stops and, yeah. and so many stories along that journey. I was in that yeah. for a little while. And I haven't had a sip of alcohol since that night. Dabbled in a few other things here and there. but. Alcohol and cocaine, any really hard thing. That was the time where it just ceased to exist in my life. Because if you get alcohol and me going, all my inhibitions go out the window. You know, everything becomes an okay at that moment. So I knew that's a no go. So it's been a winding road, but I've got a really great handle on how I'm feeling about all that right now. And I'm just taking it one day at a time. That's all I can do. Well, I really congratulate you on that journey because 10 years is really a good, strong amount of time. And I know that there's been struggles within that time. You know, it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of discipline. And so big props to that. You know, one one thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
You know, one thing you mentioned, you said something about getting into drugs and running away from the things that we're trying to not look at. I know you've done therapy and you've done different things for your wellness. What were yep. some of the things that you think you were running away from? Hmm. Or issues or situations? I think it's a lot of anxiety, just anxiety. And I don't know if I can put my finger on one thing or the other, uh, you know, and sometimes it can be just like, oh, I got to do this one thing. Oh, man, I got to do that. You know, you never know when it's going to come. It's pretty much a crapshoot when it comes to that, because there could be things where I'm like, oh, man, I don't think I'm going to be feeling this. And then I feel fine. But then it could be this little thing. I'm like, oh, and then it really hits me. So. That's one of those things where I think therapy has helped me a lot to just go in and dissect various layers of what could potentially be causing what and why I'm feeling a certain way. So yeah, I'm still figuring that out, honestly. Because we've had musicians come on and talk about panic attacks. And I'm not sure if your anxiety has ever gotten to that level. Hasn't got to that level. Okay. But you mentioned breathing exercises. Yeah. And a certain method that you learned. Yeah. Can you explain that? Because I found that breathing methods seem to really help with anxiety. Yes. What is this method that you're talking about? So, well, it's, uh, it's the Wim Hof breathing uh, method. And it's like anxiety training. Because what I've found is that when you're doing these fast breaths, it can almost like hyperventilates you. Not totally, but like a little bit. And what it does is it super oxygenates your blood, but on the other side of it, it gives you a little anxiety, you know, mm. or at least it does for me. And it's, it feels like anxiety training. Mm. It feels like it really helps with changing the relationship that you have with the anxiety, basically. That's where a lot of the change occurred with me was when I realized that this is a thing we all have to deal with some to different varying degrees, you know, me being someone who's, you know, always performing and it's going to be a little more in my life. So I needed to change the relationship I had to anxiety. Now I call it that juice. It's a little bit of an adrenaline thing. So it could help you on stage yeah. uh, as far as energy levels. So this, the Wim Hof method, is it more breathing quickly to get used to that feeling? Or is it a slowing down of your breathing? So, so you do these quick in and outs, like a you do that fifty okay. times. Wow! And then you, yeah, fifty times, and so it's in uh, as far as you can, and okay. then out, not all the way out, like pretty much all the way out, but not you're not like really expelling all the air out. You do that fifty times, and then when you breathe out. Mm -hmm. you hold it mm. and you will be amazed this is because when you're sitting there that your brain will go okay time to get some oxygen from the blood and you'll start to go oh god okay i need to breathe i need to breathe but if you just just give it a second it, it basically goes okay we got what we need I'm telling you, it's truly amazing. It really is. I can hold my breath for four minutes. And it's not about holding your breath. It's how long. It's not a contest or anything. But the fact that like you don't freak out, that's a big thing. You know what I'm saying? So it definitely calms me. But it's really, yeah, I don't know. I like really that whole idea of oxygenating your blood. Because yeah. then everything goes to all your major organs, right? Absolutely. Everything gets energized. The uh, thing that really honestly has helped me is the cold therapy. Okay. Um, that's a Wim Hof thing as well. And just taking a cold shower. Um, and I will say the colder, the better, for sure. And they say that you can't train the autonomic nervous system. It's just, it happens. It's on auto. But through various things like, cold therapy, it, he has shown that you can regulate these things and not go into freak out mode when you do jump into a hot tub that's filled with ice and the water's 37 degrees. The human body can withstand that. Now, I'm not telling anybody to just go and do that because you got to work up to that. But that's not to say that, you know, 
you can't do it. It's all about awakening these things that have basically been laying dormant in our body for a while because we live these very comfortable lifestyles. And so this is just one way that, you know, we can wake up some of our, our DNA, all, all, some of the stuff that's in us that we don't even know is there. The cold therapy, I've heard sometimes when people get really anxious or they start to spiral, they will splash cold water on their face just to shock it into stopping that whole, you know, spiraling. Absolutely. Because if you have anxiety and you take a cold shower, it just crushes it. So I think I'm going to get a Wim Hof method expert on your episode so they could explain that a little bit more. That would be amazing. <laughs> You know, you talked about that experience that really scared you. And you also talked about therapy. Is that something that you had to deal with and talk about in therapy? Mm, not so much. But the thing is, this is, it's wild. I, I don't, this is the thing. I don't remember that. I have no memory of the, the situation. And thankfully, nothing actually happened. I had to do the whole rape test kit, you know, and swab everywhere. And they had to do all this stuff. So thankfully, they didn't find anything on me or, you know, anything like that. So, you know, it's weird. Maybe it's manifested in, in other ways that I just don't even realize. But I've definitely talked to my therapist about that kind of stuff. But it was one of those things where it was like, it just happened. And I I didn't have any memory of it. So it almost didn't affect me in a weird way. Okay, I think well, if I had a memory of it and it was very yeah. traumatic, I think then, whoa, yeah, I would have had to do some pretty heavy, you know, therapy on it. Honestly, I'm pretty thankful I don't, I don't have any memory of it. I'm thankful too. I'm thankful that, that there wasn't any kind of weird suffering or, you yeah, know, thing I, you that know. you had to endure, that it was more like just a shock to you. Like, what is going a, on? Yeah. And that's mostly how it feels. Well, you know, I read that during the pandemic, you were able to really focus on self-care and wellness and establish some good routines. But when you go on tour, yeah. it's harder to keep with routines. And you're touring with your solo album and also with the revivalists. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you want to implement on tour as far as self-care on a daily basis? I need to make sure that I get proper rest. That is like the key thing to my mental health and, and wellness. If I don't get proper sleep, everything else just falls by the wayside. I realize that very quickly. I need to get at least six hours. Like six hours is the minimum. It's really tough to get eight, you know, 10, 12 on tour just because the bus is rattling around. And, you know, once the sun comes out, it's 8 a.m., I'm up regardless of how much I've slept through the night. So that's the main thing. I got I to gotta make sure that I get the good sleep. Um, and how do you do that on tour? Because there's so much going on at night and you're on a, a tour bus. Struggle. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't drink, so I'm not in that scene. But I also like to live a little vicariously through that. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it was such a big part of my life for so long. I can't have any alcohol or anything in the green room of the tour bus. Honestly, it doesn't bother me. It almost makes me feel more normal. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's another reason why I'm grateful for the situation that I had, is it really just put a unpenetrable wall up against like me not messing with that stuff anymore because I know <laughs> where that can lead for me. So. It's tough though, you know, it's really tough. You just got to make sure you're comfortable. You got to make sure you're eating well. I have all fruits and vegetables, a little bit of lean proteins. I'm eating oatmeal every single day. That has changed my life as well. I got to <laughs> say, the fiber is good for you. Right? I got to say, oatmeal is where it's at, y'all. And it can be really delicious too. You had some raisins and cinnamon. Yeah, and all I'm that a, I'm a manuka honey and um, <laughs> almonds and blueberries Ooh, and oh bananas. That sounds so good. And that a little bit of a, a little bit of a full fat oat milk on there. Very nice, very nice. Because I hear you, you eat really clean too. I try, I try, 
question. Yeah, but I'm also glad that you talked about sleep because to me, sleep is really a foundation for mental health and we really don't realize it. So you have to have really good experience to finally realize that the late nights till 4 a.m. and there's a lot of ups and downs with your hours. When you get up and when you go to sleep, there's not a lot of routine with that. So developing a good routine for you to get at least six to 10 hours really makes a, a difference with your mental health for the day. And once you don't get it, you're screwed, right? You yeah, just you, like you are. You're, really, you're behind the eight ball. You're treading water. I realized that pretty early on. And that was one of the things that was going on when I started to write Shaken. Coming off that tour, I was not sleeping well at all on the bus. We're talking lay in that bunk all night long. Not a single drop of shut eye, you know, and then having to go out and do shows and then doing the show, going back to the bunk, eyes wide open, just laying there and then just trying again. I don't know how many times that happened, two or three times. And then finally, your body just goes, oh, you can't do it anymore. But that was the cycle that I was in for a while. And it was just wreaked havoc. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about drugs that you're not taking anymore. And yeah. then there are other medications that can be healing or, you know, even conducive to sleep. Are there any medications or drugs that you use? No, I've taken the occasional sleep pill, but that was back in that time as well. I was just desperate. I've been prescribed Xanax. Not a good thing for me because it's very addictive. So mm -hmm. don't mess with that. The sleeping pills definitely are no good for sleep for me. I just didn't work. And the benzos are just, they're not good for people who have addictive personalities, you know. Honestly, my thing is I'm best when I'm just fully, you know, I'm drinking water, I'm eating good, and I'm getting a full night's sleep. And I, I just said to my girlfriend the other day, I'm as sober as they come. And <laughs> I've been, I'm sleeping the best I've ever slept in my life. And that's it's just because I'm not taking anything. I'm not, you know, I'm not. That's You're clean. You're clean, clean as a whistle. Sometimes the whole thing with drugs and alcohol, there's a curiosity there and you want to try different things. But once you're free of a lot of that, even caffeine. I am not even, I'm not even having caffeine these days, which is insane. Me neither. That's why I'm sleeping better though. Yep. You know, with all the things that you do for wellness, has this ever been a part of what you do with the band on tour? It kind of started to be that way pretty recently, just because everybody's getting older and having kids and it's just tougher to tour when you're older. And so there's definitely been a shift for a much more palatable touring schedule. Obviously, everybody feels good about that because everybody's healthier. We're not dogging ourselves out. And we're able to bring our A-game to the show. So you take conscious breaks during each leg of the tour, which is a great way to pre-plan that because it's all about how you feel right on stage and, and your energy level. And I'm sure that the fans can also feel that. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, there's been times where I'll, I'll do a show. This was when we were dogging it pretty hard and I'm getting messages. It's, you know, Dave, you're not looking so good. You're looking a little con. Are you eating well? And I could tell, you know, I wasn't looking so good. I wasn't eating well. So they know for sure. One thing that I read about you is that you are an introvert living an extrovert's life. And I really love that because I'm also an introvert that has to do the same thing. And there are a lot of musicians that feel that way as well. What advice would you give an introverted musician on how to live an extroverted life? Um, I would say be patient with yourself and don't be too hard on yourself. Um, give yourself time to acclimate to whatever situation you're in. Um, don't run from your anxiety, but, you know, also don't try to just blow down the doors. So because that can also scar you a little more, you can, hell, you can give yourself PTSD, you know, I'm, I've heard of that. So, you know, just be patient with yourself and know that through various things that you, you know, do for yourself, it, it, it'll get better and you'll get better at knowing how to play you.
What I thought was really interesting is that you believe that you're an empath. Yeah. What do you feel are the the joys and the burdens of being an empath? I would say that some of the joys are just that I can feel other people's joy. I feel my joy. I just feel, you know, like when I walk into a room, I feel like I can just get a sense of honestly, just like how the energy is in the room, how people are doing. I've always felt that way. But like you said, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because oh, I'll be watching something on TV and if it's one of these murder mysteries, I'm feeling every bit of it, you know? And it's special to be able to feel that. I feel like that has gotten into my art. And the way that I write songs, it's an essential ingredient, I think. But yeah, it's it's tough sometimes. It's tough. But I wouldn't change it, for sure. Well, empaths are, are really there also to, to heal. And you're doing that through your music, bringing lots of joy. And also, the songs of struggle really relate to people, and they can tap into that. But yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm an empath, too. So I know yeah. how you feel. Yeah, it's tough because I cannot see, like, murder. I know it's fake when yeah. somebody is getting shot, yeah. but when they get shot, I feel that and it pains me. And then yeah. the other thing is that if you come across somebody, you could pick up on their energy, yeah. which that's the part that could be a double-edged sword. If they're mm -hmm. depressed or anxious, you could pick up on that. And because it pains us, I think we want to help. There's something in us that wants to help that person. Big time. That's honestly, Yes. And that's the side of me that is the most prevalent. And also, I say this all the time, is I'm, I'm a giver and a giver. Sometimes I can just lose myself in the picture. And bringing it back to the double-edged sword, that's where it can get a little tricky and troublesome for people who are that way because you can deplete yourself pretty quickly. You know, and you're not thinking about numero uno. You know what I'm saying? You're just not... That's what this whole refocus, reshifting into personal wellness has made me realize that like, as long as I'm good inside, I can bring my energy into any situation and it's just, boom, bulletproof. It's just good. It's just good feeling, transform a room kind of vibe. I feel like I can do that only if I'm feeling good. Right, right. I can't wait to see you live. You guys are coming oh, to yeah. town. <laughs> where, where are I want to build it. Um, I'm in Los Angeles. I know oh, you guys are playing the Beach Life Festival. Oh yes. And you're touring for both. Yeah. You're touring yeah. with the Revivalists and also with your solo album. So you've been really busy. You know, one thing also is you've given back quite a bit. You have your Rev causes, yep. which I think is really wonderful. It's your philanthropic uh, endeavors. Yep. Can you tell me a little bit about that? We got to a point in our career where we were able to give back and we weren't just scratching for every nickel and dime. And it just felt that we had this platform. Let's shine some light on some organizations that really mean a lot to us. I just set up a fundraiser on Facebook for the Songs for Kids Foundation. And they just bring so much joy to these kids' lives who have terminal illnesses or issues that just hinder them. So that's a really good organization that we work with. We work with Upturn Arts, Every Town for Gun Safety, which is also something that is, you know, near and dear to my heart. I think we got a big issue in this country regarding that. And anything that we can do to help push the needle for change in that direction, I think is important. Thank you so much for doing that. And it also feels good, right, to give back. It and, absolutely and does. It, I mean, once it? again, the giver, <laughs> come on, feels good. I feel like you're in this really great chapter of life. It's coming out in your music. It and feels good. Uh, I'm glad yeah. it's uh, resonating with you as well. Yes, it is. And I was wondering, is there anything else that you would like to say about your music or about mental health? I, I guess I would just say to the fans, if you're having an issue, don't hesitate to reach out and get help because we all go through these things and there's no sense in just gritting and bearing it. There's many resources out there to help you get back on track. If you're having an issue with addiction, once again, the first step is admitting that there's an issue and just 
going out there and being brave and doing what you got to do. So I just want to say that I, I, I love all my fans. I love all the people that support me. And I just thank you guys so much. One more question because yeah. I, I get super curious. But when you were getting sober, were you in a program or what is it that helped you get off of those medications? Or was it just willpower? What What is it that worked for you? Um, I went to one AA meeting and I sat down and I, you know, listened to the stories and there was just this really powerful feeling and realization that came over me in the meeting. It was just like, oh my God, like I've been in this cycle for X amount of years. The guy over here who's 65 years old, he was in that cycle for 40 years. You know, and I just realized, oh my God, okay, I don't want to be doing this when I'm, you know, that old. I just didn't feel like there was any real growth that was possible, both physically, mentally, spiritually, anything. It just felt like, you know, going around and around. So that was one of the main realizations. And then, it, like I said, I had that experience that really helped me. But the going to the AA, the one meeting, and just having that realization was also imperative to nip in that situation. Mm-hmm. But so you took yourself off the drugs. Yeah. You didn't have yeah. to have any kind of a program or any kind of, no. like sometimes people will, will take medication, something else in replace of. It was a damn hard time to quit smoking cigarettes after that. But I'll just tell you, I had to get a, oh. a tattoo. Stop smoking. Quitting smoking cigarettes. I quit yeah. on December 7th, 2010. So it's been Congratulations. over. Congratulations. Yeah, but that was tough. That oh was my God, I bet it was. And Woo. but it's one of the best things you could do for your body. Oh my God, yeah. So I'm giving you huge props. You are a check your head superhero. Ah, wow. You're too kind. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're too kind. Next, our featured guest trained with Wim Hof, the creator of the Wim Hof Method who's also known as the Iceman. Our expert today is Fareed Hashimi of Emotion Training, one of the first 25 certified instructors in the U.S. on the Wim Hof Method. Wim Hof first developed this method after losing his wife to suicide and found it not only helped with his mental grief, but also boosted him physically as well. As a result, Wim Hof is now an extreme athlete and has garnered 26 Guinness World Records for various cold water and ice sports. So let's hear Wim Hof trainer Fareed Hashimi share the benefits of this unique method. We just heard from David Shaw of The Revivalist, who swears by the Wim Hof method for anxiety and other mental health issues. Now, I heard that you went to Poland and the Czech Republic to train with Wim Hof who they call the Iceman because part of the method is cold therapy. But I wanted to start with your story. What made you first want to try the Wim Hof method? Uh, there's a Vice documentary on the Wim Hof method that came out five, six years ago. So I watched that at the time and I was really impressed by, I should say blown away by his ability to take random people that are not in any special shape and take them on this cold exposure training and teach them about breathing and their body so they can tap into what seemed like supernatural powers or some things that we had locked up, so to speak. And that just seemed like a really cool adventure, a cool way to gain some abilities that we don't know. And uh, that's how I did it. I signed up for the course. When I watched the documentary, it was a winter expedition, which is a week you spend in Poland, which is close to Czech Republic. There's 26 of us from all over the world all different backgrounds, different ages. And we all met at his house, stayed there for a week as we did meditation, breath work, cold training, and just vibed with each other and learned from each other and really connected. And that was probably the most profound week of my life. There's nothing really that I expected for it because there was really no information. Very, very few people had done it at the time. No one knew about it. It was like 10,000 views on that video at the time when I watched it. Now it has 4 million views. I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't practiced it. I hadn't done any cold exposure. And so it was a complete shock, a literal and metaphorical sense of the word. So, But it was a, a very eye-opening and introspective experience. 
And I can say that it really freed me a lot. You know, it taught me a lot about myself and it gave me the tools really to sort myself out. I thought now that I know this, I can definitely help other people too. Were you a personal trainer at the time that you decided to do this training? Yes. I was applying for physical therapy doctorate programs. I had my own business and I was working for a boutique gym. I applied for schools and in the interim of waiting, that's when I saw the video and I decided to go there. And here's the cool part about it. Once I did the experience and I came back, the long story short, I got all these rejection letters and it was more like, I'm going to go do this for myself. Now that I learned that there are masters of the body, mind, breath that can teach you and show you the ways that you may never learn it, you know, I'm going to go seek the knowledge. So I basically dropped out of school and I started to build my personal training and this performance practice into what it is today over the past five, six years. Very nice. Well, you know, one thing you said is that it was a life-changing experience for you. I mean, what were some of these life-changing things that you learned about yourself that have changed you mentally, physically? There's two things in particular that come to mind. Number one is the breathing experience, what we would call the DMT breath work, but it's a breath work technique that's um, a little bit more advanced, not just the Wim Hof method, but that had a very, I don't even know how to say it, mind-blowing internal experience. So this is when I gained a lot of insight into so many things I didn't even know I had going on with me. Namely, I've never known my mother. And so I had an experience that, um, you know, it was so strange when we were doing this breathing technique. Once I got into it, my body, I'm going to leave out all the details that I like people to experience their own thing. But let's just say I got in touch with how I felt at a very early stage of life, having not had a mother and you live that you experience it like an ayahuasca experience, but naturally. So you got to gain a lot of insight into your psyche, into your mental, emotional, soulful state when nothing else was there. It was incredible. And I had a a good cry, a really good cry. Something that was so guttural and so deep and so locked up that immediately after it was like you were empty, 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 like a brand new human. Sounds like it was a release. Of something that was being held inside, maybe pain or confusion or whatever it is with your mother. And then once it was released, it lightens you, right? It's something heavy you were carrying. Maybe you weren't even sure that you were carrying this. But with that release comes just a lightness of being, I'm sure. That was the first experience. That's the one that really taught me about the breath, about the body, the mind, the soul, this is what really just propelled me onto a whole nother realm of life, to the unseen part of life, the things that we're not told, you have to seek, you have to want, you have to suffer, you have to find the ways, like Wim found the way. You know, there are people like this in all aspects of life. Through enough suffering and enough desire of yourself, you're going to find these practices or these methods or these things that are going to be hugely beneficial for the soul, the mind, the body to connect all and to understand self. So that was the, that's the most profound thing. And the next thing was the the mountain hike that was about six and a half hours wearing nothing but shorts in this freezing mountain, you know, and there was a few times I genuinely wanted to throw in the towel and I thought I was going to maybe lose body parts to frostbite or something because, you know, it was extreme. Like I said, Mm -hmm. I couldn't couldn't prepare for it. And I had a decent ego going into it, thinking that if this person has done it, then I certainly can do it because I'm in better shape. I have a stronger mind, et cetera, et cetera. And when you went out there, you would be humbled by seeing a 76-year-old woman with arthritis in the knees walking up the same mountain as you with a smile on her face while you're shivering. That by itself was something amazing to really be dependent on self and the breath and your comrades and see what you're capable of. It's another mind-opening, mind-blowing, body-opening, body-blowing experience. Well, you know, I read that Wim Hof actually developed his method after he lost his wife to suicide. 
And it was his way of coping. And through that, he was able to deal with her death and uh, then wanted to spread the word. You already talked about the cold therapy and also some of the breathing. Can you explain exactly what the Wim Hof method is, uh, I guess, in simple terms so that we can understand it? Yeah, very simple. This is the best part about it is the simplicity. And the information is out there for everyone to use for free. You don't need to pay anyone to learn. There's tutorial videos on YouTube, on their website, lots of scientific articles. But in this practice, it's very simple, but there's very deep layers to this practice. The simplicity is this. There's three pillars. There's the breathing pillar. There's the mindset pillar. Mm -hmm. And there's the cold exposure pillar. And these three in conjunction together makes the practice exponentially more powerful. They have physiological, mental, and emotional effects. And one of them increases the, the next one. So if you do the breathing, it gets your mindset and your focus right. And your physiology and chemistry to endure the cold, the pain of the cold, the shocking of the cold, all of that. It actually numbs your body through natural pain medication. So you do that, you're going to set up your body physically. You're going to set up your mind mentally. That's the breathing to the meditation, to the physiological state. Now the effects of the pain modulation, you're going to be sitting in an ice bath of freezing water that first crushed you. And then within 45 seconds to a minute and a half, you're going to be blown away by how you're one with the water. Mm. And you can't feel it. And you're sitting there with your eyes wide open in a state of clear meditation, an extreme presence for two, three minutes, whatever time it is that you're doing. I read that Wim Hof has quite a few Guinness World Records for all these different feats. And one of them was being in ice water for almost two hours. And it sounds like this training allows you to meditate or have mind control to the point where you can control your physical ability, I guess, to endure pain and cold. Yeah, is I mean, is that just, what it is? First of all, you, you're able to release and get out of the overthinking mind. So most of our problem actually arises from being disconnected is that when we're doing one thing, we're really never doing one thing. We're usually doing one thing and the mind is diverted on your kids, on your work, on something else. So that disconnection itself, not having your 100% focus, if your mind is active and it's chattery and it's making up questions and problems, then the other parts cannot also be released to do what they do as well. So your chemistry changes through the mindset because parts of your brain, like your hypothalamus, are going to actually work. You're training it to work. Your conscious mind stops overthinking. You can't focus on anything but the present moment. And so you have a cascade of physiological effects that take place then. There's actually things happening in your body that allow Wim to stay in there for two hours. And you can increase the practice like that. You have taught clients. What are some of the things that you hear from them as far as the benefits they receive? The number one thing is everyone just feels great. And they love it. I have one client that comes in before I even say anything, he's like, let's do meditation. Let's do Wim Hof. But that's how much he loves the release and the stress reliefs and the uh, clarity and the peace that he gets from doing the meditation. And the ice bath, everyone just loves the feeling. Like they love when they're in there and they're able to endure it and enjoy it. They laugh, they giggle. There's pictures of like hundreds and hundreds of Polaroids that I have of people that I've put in this ice bath and they're smiling or they're in deep meditation or they're very chill. You feel good. You feel possible and capable. They're more emotional, not in a negative way, but in a positive way where they tap in, where typically they can be unaware of themselves and how they feel or where they just know they're stagnant. And so I recognize this stuff. I see the energy shift. I mean, David Shaw mentioned anxiety and how the breathing techniques actually can transform his anxiety to adrenaline, which can help him perform better. Does it help for other kind of mental health issues like depression or OCD or 
what else you you hear from your clients as far as that how it mentally can help them? You know, anxiety is your mind being overactive, thinking forward, creating and predicting problems that are not there. Just an overactive running mind. It's tiring. You're trying to do something else. You can't do that one thing. And depression is you're down on the dumps. I speak from experience. I was studying for my psychology portion. My thing was on depression. That was my life for about 16 years. So my point is, when you do meditation, has been shown scientifically to improve mental health by itself, just doing the ability to be present. Now, you take a powerful technique like this where it's made for anyone, where you can let go and you can tap in and go deep and go as far as you want to. The answer to how does it help, I would say how, how much can being present and how much can that help with any mental challenges that you have? It's profound. A big thank you to our musical guest, David Shaw of the Revivalists, and our expert, Fareed Hashimi of Emotion Training. For more information on David Shaw's debut solo album and tour, visit davidshaw.com and follow him on his socials at the David Shaw Music and at the David Shaw. And for more information on the Revivalists, visit therevivalists.com. Follow them on their socials at the Revivalists. And stay tuned for a clip of David Shaw's single, Shaken, from his new self-titled debut album. For more information on Fareed Hashimi and the Wim Hof Method, visit e-motion-training.com and follow him on Instagram at e-motion-training. Thank you to all of our loyal listeners for your reviews and for following us on our socials at Check Your Head Podcast and on our YouTube channel. Visit CheckYourHeadPodcast.com to find more than 125 mental health solutions for recovery. So until next time, be brave, ask for help, and be persistent in finding the mental help that you need. podcast is kindly supported and partnered with Sweet Relief Musicians Fund, DBSA San Gabriel Valley, Earshot Media, and Lemon Tree Studios in Los Angeles. Visit CheckYourHeadPodcast.com where we have over 100 solutions for mental health. Be our friends on social media at CheckYourHeadPodcast. Watch us on YouTube and support us with a kind donation on CheckYourHeadPodcast.com. Check Your Head Podcast is sponsored by a 501c3 nonprofit with all donations being tax deductible. Thank you for your support and thank you for listening. <laughs>